This is the Blue Bomber Podcast with CFL Hall of Famer and my broadcast partner, Doug Brown. Just like a head-on car accident, had to piggyback him, grab onto his waist as he pulled him, kind of like a tractor pull there for a couple yards. And you can play it safe, you don't have to take these risks and just nickel and dime your way down the field. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or at cjob.com. All right. Really? Now you're going to move your microphone? What do you mean? <laughs> you ready? Yeah, yeah, Are you ready your, now? Are you ready now? Even in your hey, hey, <laughs> hey. I'll do, that. I'll do that after you leave. Okay. All right. Well, here it is. Hey, hey, it's Shemack along with Doug Brown. It is the Blue Bomber Podcast. Winnipeg Blue Bombers have won four in a row. Are they the hottest? Are they the best team in the CFL? We'll sort that out. And if you take away two quarters against the Ottawa Red Blacks in 10 of the last 12 quarters played, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have given up 12 points. I'm not even joking. We'll talk about the Blue Bomber defense and what they've managed to do. We'll talk about Mike O'Shea. What did he learn? And we'll also hand out some hardware as we head into the last two, yes, two regular season games left for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And who would have imagined that we were assuming a playoff game? We sort of are. Doug Brown, let's get right down to business. Safe to assume the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are going to play in the playoffs? Oh, without question. It's just where, right? Probably third place in the West on the road going to Saskatchewan again, which is probably a good thing now that we're in their kitchen cooking eggs. <laughs> cooking eggs? Yeah. And, and bacon Scrambling too. their brain, okay? they. Whenever you lose, you get a, a shutout defeat like that, an overwhelming, lopsided, one-sided beat down behind the woodshed. Um, that stays with you for a little. Granted, it's going to anger that, that community and those players and that fan base, but... That, that goes to show you something, what you're capable of, and, and that's going to be a mental hurdle for Saskatchewan to have to overcome if they do go there and play them. Any concern on your part that the Blue Bombers didn't score any points in the second half? <laughs> they didn't need to score any points in the second half. Calaris empties the backfield, and here comes Loeffler on a safety blitz. The pass complete and fumbled into the arms of Gator. He's to the 30, the 20, the 10. Touchdown, Blue Bombers. The receiver fumbled the ball right into the arms of Anthony Gator. First and 10 at the 38 is a fake to Harris. And going long for Darvin Adams. He's open at the 30, the 20. A bomber touchdown, Darvin Adams. Beautiful throw by Matt Nichols. So Strebler will throw away down. He could do something fancy here. Watch for it. Step under center and drop back to pass. And he's looking for Dressler down at the goal line. Diving catch. Touchdown, Blue Bombers. Weston Dressler against his ex-club. Strebler lines up in shotgun right hash. Takes the handoff and then keeps it up the middle. He's to the 10. Strebler, the 5 to the 1-yard line. He faked a handoff to Andrew Harris and then just tucked it under and ran straight up the middle through a big hole. And he'll come out now. And quarterback sneak into the end zone. Did he get there for the touchdown? Now they signal Bomber touchdown. 30 to nothing, Winnipeg. I think what's more impressive is that they continued to shut out Saskatchewan in the second half, who, you know, obviously 
after a halftime speech, which I'm sure peeled some paint off the walls in there, um, and they were had to have been reprimanded to a, a, a ninth degree. Um, I'm surprised. You know, it's another testament to the defense that they did not allow any further uh, points or any points at all in the second half as well after that kind of. Um, talking to that the writers were sure to have had and you know the offense they did what they needed to do in the second half they moved the ball they still chewed the clock uh, they still won the field position game they didn't score any points but they also had some starters come out of the game as well so Zach Caleros uh, looked absolutely ordinary versus the Blue Bomber defense, and Brandon Bridge couldn't do much better. Matt Nichols and the Blue Bombers, 10 minutes into the first quarter, had negative 7 yards in offense. They ended up the first half with 211 yards in offense. Any concern with regards to how the Blue Bombers started the game in spite of the fact that the defense really gave them so much to work with right off the bat, including a potential pick six on the first offensive play of the game. And then, of course, what Anthony Gator did do on the second possession by the Rough Riders. So you're asking me if I'm concerned with the 31 points that they scored in the first half. Is that what you're saying? Well, they weren't all offensive points. I think uh, there were There's, some defensive you know points there. There's still offense and there were 31. You're right. You're right. There were defensive points up there. It's, it's, all, it's all roses. Is it all good? Right Is it all good? It's all good right now. You're supposed to ask me about are they the best team in the CFL well, we're right now? We're working around to that. To pick it apart, right? Uh, we're working around to <laughs> that because you know what? We have to be somewhat objective here. I know that you and I well, are on the same page. Here's as objective as it gets right now. Give me objective. They're on the biggest and longest winning streak in the CFL right now. Active winning streak, correct. And they are playing better football than anybody else in the CFL. They're the most balanced team in the CFL right now. They lead the league in scoring offensively and they are um, shutting people out. Last three games, they've given up an average of, uh, well, two out of the last three games, they've given up an average of one and a half points. They've almost shut out two teams out of the last three games, both teams with winning records. So nobody's balanced as the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are. Nobody's scoring as many points as the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are right now. And nobody has won as many games in a row as the Winnipeg Blue Bombers right now as well. I'm going to do the last three teams they've played all had winning records and one's leading the East and the other two are Western opponents or Western rivals. So there's really nothing to say other than right now will they continue to be playing you know the best football in the Canadian Football League who knows but as of right now with a bye with a week off of rest I mean that's the question we asked Michael Shea after the game we're like are you upset that there's a bye week now because you got this thing going and you want to keep you know when you're hot you want to keep burning all over the place but he was fine with you know this is the break the final break they'll have before their push uh, their push to finish the season off well with those two regular season games and then obviously to go in and, and take a run in the playoffs no, we can always use the week. Um, you know, we saw everybody's playing nicked up. Doug, you know at this point in the season, everybody's got something going on. And uh, it's, I don't I don't look at that as uh, the, the bye week coming down at this time as a good thing or a bad thing. It doesn't matter to me. I think the players will always use this uh, to recuperate and take their mind off football for a little bit and recharge and come back ready to go. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers, the first two games, you're like, well, you know, how can things be so different now? But those were real... Um, non-characteristic 
non-identity type football games for the Winnipeg Blue Bomber, especially their offense, the way they turn the ball over, so on and so forth. Uh, they had great production offensively in those games, but they turned the ball over a ton. What we saw, what the difference was in this third game at home for Winnipeg was the fact that if you don't allow Saskatchewan's defense to score points. So if they aren't taking the ball away from you and and returning it for a pick six or returning it for a short field or if their special teams isn't scoring on you or or cutting the field in half, they cannot drive a long field offensively whatsoever. Okay, They got exposed for being two-thirds of a complete football team. I would say Saskatchewan Rough Riders are 66% very good but their offense is terrible. Okay, you give them a long field. You just play the long. You, you play the flip the field, the long football field game with them, where they've got to march and they've got to drive on you. They cannot sustain a drive. They're going to punt or they're going to turn the ball over. And I think that was the story. And that's the game plan you have to have against these guys. You don't get overly aggressive offensively. You take what they give you. You take your shots when they're there, like that 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 go route with Darvin Adams that, that they connected with, and and that, that throwaway that throwaway down uh, that Chris Severler hit Dressler. Good call, by the way. The you called that a hundred percent. How is it that you saw that from your perch, and the folks in uh, green and white weren't yelling down to their defense to to watch out for exactly what happened? You know, you know what it is. You, you know that Paul Hapolice loves having like Chris Trevor is like one of his favorite toys in his toy box to play with out in the football field, right? Could it be and, his favorite? And you know how much he loved to do all sorts of different things when he was trotted out there for the short yardage guy. And remember, they got too cute at one point in the season. We're like, whoa, whoa, whoa! Sometimes you just got to get your yardage first, right? Go you straight ahead. Stop running down the line of scrimmage. Stop doing you know double reverses or something like that when it's when it's short yardage. But on second and inches. To me, that's a throwaway down, which means you have third down to convert, you know, third in inches now, as opposed to if your play fails in second in inches. So, which has to be automatic. So, right? I knew it had been a while. It had just been a while since Strebler had done anything outside of a middle wedge, you know, head down QB sneak, right, to get the first down. So, I knew it was a throwaway down for them. That we hadn't seen him do anything spectacular in a little while. So, it was just, it was just the time, and you could see Saskatchewan would just brought everybody up and overload the box, and and so little play action off the off the fake QB wedge and over the top it was it was outstanding uh, perfect timing for that play call and now i mean the thing for him to do is to middle wedge middle wedge middle and now second or third and short and inches they shouldn't have him do anything other than middle wedge middle wedge middle, until the playoffs middle playoffs you throw another wrinkle when it's a throwaway down like like second down anyway anyways i uh, i kind of lost track of what we were talking about but no the way to beat saskatchewan is is to make them beat you offensively. Give them long fields. Don't let their special teams and their defense score on you or or take the ball away from you in, in opportune situations, and they won't be able to do it. They are, like I say, two-thirds of a complete football team, and I think the Bombers really expose them as, uh, hey, you might be a second-place team, and, and that might be you know what they're going to be able to hold on to. But if, I, if you're the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, talk about having your, your confidence about going into Saskatchewan if you have to play the Western semifinal there. You gave us some insight into the psyche and a little bit of behind-the-scenes look at Paul Lapolis and the way he thinks. What did we learn about Mike O'Shea on Saturday? Hmm. We, we learned with Mike O'Shea 
that there is a level, a level of comfortability where he has no problem pulling his starters out of the game. It turns out that's 31 points. Honestly, you know, our third quarters, you know, as, as, as I've been told several times, our third quarters haven't been the greatest. So I wanted to keep us out there and see if we couldn't change something in the third quarter. And, um, you know, it didn't work out that way. But uh, it was it's good to get some guys some, some valuable playing time um, and, and move forward from there. That is what we learned about Mike O'Shea. We always would sit up there and like, what has to happen in this game for Mike O'Shea to take Nichols out or Andrew Harris out or anybody out of the game? You know, you're out by 28 points and there's 60 seconds left in the game. Why are they still playing? Well, we finally found out his threshold, okay, for uh, his safety safety net threshold, which is at 31 points at the end of the third quarter, he feels pretty good about his chances of winning a football game, even though he used to tell us till he was blue in the face with after all those points they scored in that one game against Montreal with two minutes left in the game. You know, he would tell us anything that happened is the CFL. Well, at least we finally know we learned about Mike Rochet. If he's up by 31, the end of the third, there's a chance your guys are going to come out. Honestly, it shows to me, it shows he's evolving and uh, a level of maturation as a coach, at least in our eyes. Um, he may be sticking on his uh, his development path as he sees it fit, but at least in our mind, watching that happen, we're like, oh, this is something traditionally. Before, there were, there were points, I think, in his coaching tenure where they could never be up enough. No matter, they could be, you know, they could have the 50 donut on the opposition. Not enough. Still not enough. But 31 after three, that's our magic number for Mike O'Shea. We learned that about him. And uh, he, you know, the greatest thing about him, no matter how much they win by, no matter how big the win is, it's a regular season win. They won by 31. He talks to you about it the same way as if they lost by four. There's absolutely, it is just even kill the entire way. He loves to gush about his players. Obviously, he is more of an open forum to do that when you're successful and you win. But in terms of how he weighs that game and that success, it's, it's the same. It's always the same. So hopefully they'll get to a point this year where there'll be an undeniable success Well, he'll have to admit that it's a big deal. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers signed their 8th overall 2017 draft choice. University of Manitoba Bison grad offensive lineman Jeff Gray earlier today. Today being Monday as we speak, Doug. A gentleman whose CFL uh, career will get underway with just two weeks left in a season. A little bit unusual to be sure. Does this mark the end of Jeff Gray's NFL dream and or can and Jeff Gray come in here and make a difference for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in this season, down this these last two games and into the playoffs. You know, there's a lot of unknowns here. You don't know what kind of a deal he signed, whether he's got a one-year option window as well, which means he could go to another NFL team. And I would doubt that they would sign one deal like that. But then again, we'll know. if officially, you knew, officially, it's through to 2020. But is there a handshake or gentleman's when, agreement? Right? Or, or when's Because they brought back the option window, right? It's, right? it's one year and an option now to compete with that new league down south. So to answer a lot of these questions, you have to know what a signing bonuses what's guaranteed what what they've agreed upon so on and so forth but in terms of him coming in and impacting and benefiting the football team right now um the offensive line is something you just don't mess with 
if it's not broken, right? The continuity of those guys, the success they've had. They're the offensive line for a quarterback that doesn't get sacked very often, that has a very balanced running and passing attack. They're pretty good. You'd want to be pretty careful with that. Unless he came into practice and is an absolute beast and is just crushing fools left, right, and center, throwing Drake Nevis, you know, into the into this in the stands or, or whatever he's doing, it would have to be super compelling to put this guy, insert him and to to tinker with the kind of continuity and uh, uh, precision those guys have as a synchronized unit. I'd be real careful with that, but um, nothing wrong with having him as a six-man for the offensive line and having him as part of your heavy package for sure. I don't know. I've never been through it until now, but it's definitely abnormal to sign with the team partway through, but uh, they're doing well, and it's not like they're looking for, you don't want to disrupt things, but it's, you just want to contribute to winning how you can, and uh, they're obviously doing quite well right now. Are you anticipating getting playing time this season, or is that kind of hasn't been talked about yet? Um, like right now, their offensive line is playing well, so it's not like you're you're coming into a new season and you're like and looking for a starting spot. So I just want to get back to playing football and play well, and who knows where things can go? All kinds of things can happen with football, but it's not like. They're penciling you in to, uh, to replace someone like right away or anything like that. But it's a situation where you feel you'll be ready if you ever need to be called upon? Oh, I, I've been staying in shape and running even in my time off, so I'm sure the rest will come quick and it won't take me too long to get back into uh, just feeling routine. After bouncing around different cities, how does it feel to know that you're going to be in one place for a while? Uh, it's definitely something that strongly influenced me to want to come back to the CFL is I'm just the type of person that likes to be settled in one place and kind of know where you're going to be tomorrow. So it's definitely nice to be back home and be playing in front of friends and family. Okay, so we're looking ahead, just look ahead to this week 19 coming up in the CFL. Really two playoff games. You could actually say three playoff games as Ottawa is playing Hamilton and those two teams are tied for first place in the East. So you could say quite definitely that's a playoff game. BC plays Edmonton. They're tied for fourth place in the West. And then Saskatchewan and Calgary. Really, this is do or die in terms of first place for Saskatchewan. You know they're going to be in a snarly mood after losing to the Blue Bombers. Is there any way they go into McMahon and beat the Stampeders? I don't think that's a, 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 I don't think that's a contest for first place in any way, shape, or form. So I think uh, Calgary just lost too, right? Yes. So uh, they're going to be, they're a little more difficult to play at home than any um, level of upset that Saskatchewan might be after getting spanked in, uh, in Winnipeg by a score of 31 to nothing. I don't, I see Calgary winning that game. I think I think Saskatchewan in the back of their mind. Part of the reason we are seeing complacency from them is the fact that they know they're you know most likely going to be the second uh, second place team in the Western Division hosting that semifinal. So I don't see anything happening from them going in, into Calgary, even though Calgary's pretty beat up and uh, have some injury concerns. And then what is interesting will be the game I will be paying attention to is the BC Edmonton game because uh, that is the only. Uh, team that has any relevance left in the West and the Western uh, discussion. And those are two teams that you have no idea 
what you're going to get on a week-by-week basis. Very streaky, very inconsistent, very erratic football team. So that'll be an interesting matchup right there. Okay, so as we head towards uh, the end of the season here in two regular season games, are we suggesting that the Blue Bombers now entrenched more or less in third place or uh, is there anything to play for here I know it really depends on who comes out on top between BC and Edmonton and then what happens between Winnipeg and Calgary but how do you see this sorting itself out and, and what is the value in these last two games for the Blue Bombers well, I think they're, they're great qualifiers and they're great tune-ups and, and litmus tests for how they're going to do into the, the, the postseason so uh, I, I do see them as a third place team I think they're going to have to go on the road and I think they're going to have to go to Calgary but I mean if you lose both your last games or I think they're going to split I think they I don't know I really this this football team is playing if they play like they did against Saskatchewan they can certainly beat Calgary um, at home and Calgary's vulnerability has been playing on the road so uh, that's when the opportunity I think is there uh, but I think uh, you know so they have the opportunity they have the opportunity to win both of them or they'll go one-on-one that's how i think they're going to finish so uh they'll either be an 11 or a 10 win football team this year but most likely i see them in third place in the west all right let's talk about some of the awards as we uh, wrap things up on the blue bomber podcast our award our award recommendations is okay, what okay that's what we're going to call well, them yeah okay what, well, what the award should be right well if you're handing them out of course it's what they should well be. you're going to agree with me uh not necessarily rookie of the year who is it has the, to be Chris Strebler. It not has Mar- to be? Yeah, not Marcus Sales. No? Yeah, Strebler. Why? His stats. Oh, I, I love his the stats. The media votes on this. His stats are so juicy, you have to give it to him. And he looks, he's he's great out there. He's developed. He's started games. Uh, he contributes in every single game. He's a highlight reel. Uh, his name recognition, way above sales. He's going to get the nod for sure. Yeah, you're right. Uh, most outstanding Canadian is Andrew Harris. Uh, six ways until Sunday. They're That's correct. Backwards, forwards, up and down. Defensive player of the year is Adam Big Hill. Can we nominate him and, and give him the award twice? Well, this may surprise you. I give Adam Big Hill Defensive Player of the Year and Most Outstanding Player for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. We've got you for eight or nine tackles and three quarterback sacks, Adam. Does that sound about right? Yeah, yeah, I think that sounds about right. Maybe a forced fumble in there, too. Yeah, forced fumble. We didn't want to forget about that. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. How do you explain a 31 nothing win over a, a pretty good team? Preparation. You know, we, we prepared really hard. We, we worked extremely hard during the week, getting all the right looks and, and, and competing against each other and making sure we can get this win. I mean, it all comes down to putting the work and, uh, you know, we had that result tonight. The changes he's brought about in this defense, I think, largely should be attributed to his inclusion on this football team. I think it's an outstanding point. And for how many years, with all due respect to the guy who plays middle linebacker on most plays for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders now, Sam Hurl, for a lot of people, that position was the gaping hole in that blue bomber defense. And a lot of people said, fix that. And you'll have a much better team all the way around. Why did it take so long for the Blue Bombers to get that message? He's won games for this team by himself. He's got an incredible stats line behind him in terms of obviously he's one of the leading tacklers in the entire CFL um, he gets sacks he's part of the blitz package he runs guys down sideline to sideline 
He forces fumbles on the regular. He can intercept balls. He's done it all. He's done every single thing. I just think he's been the most outstanding player in every single phase in, in compared to any single phase on this football team. And I think he should be a double nominee for sure. I like the way you're thinking uh, big time, Doug Brown. Uh, this is out of left field here. Best middle linebacker ever played in a Blue Bomber uniform when you were here. Uh, who was the best? Yeah, is what you're saying. That you played with, man. I, well, I had I had three really good ones. I had Rylan Wickman, I had Baron Simpson, and I had uh, Joe, Big Joe. So, uh, Lobendon. Yeah, yeah. I'm um, trying to think who was the. I mean, uh, Joe Lobendon was probably the best if he could have been healthy the entire time. Um, Baron Simpson was probably the best run stopper. And then Ryan Wickman was the best at turning off his self-preservation instinct. So they're all good in different ways and they're all fun to play with. But I really like Jolo and, uh, and Baron. Yeah, Baron was uh, an unbelievable run-stopping middle linebacker. Well, and you talk about a guy who is so different on the field and off the field. <laughs> that was Barron's the Rev, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, special teams uh, player of the year. Is it Justin Medlock? Yes, Robo Kicker, right? So. He's really kind of regained that reputation as being not necessarily automatic, but just a boat and damn near automatic. And his punting game, he leads the league in terms of punts inside the 20-yard line. Line, mm-hmm. And his punt game has really come around. He's maybe not punting for average, but he's punting in terms of those directional kicks and giving the Blue Bombers uh, half-decent victories in terms of that field possession game. His PATs now, his point, points after touchdown, uh, Bob threw out the stat uh, during the last game. He hasn't missed, uh, and PATs aren't automatic anymore because they're from the 32, right? He hasn't right. missed since last season sometime. I don't remember the exact figure. I, I think it's 53 I don't straight. pay attention to special team stats, but it's uh, it's. <laughs> I'm surprised you're even talking about this award. Yeah, well, we have to because it's one of them. And then, uh, but field goals, what is he? He's up in the high 80s or something like that for his field goal percentage as well. So he is just, uh, you know, he's he's when you get a a breath of relief at the end of a drive because you know you're going to get points off of it. Well, they haven't had to depend on him in the same way. Yes, he's scoring similar amounts of points, but his points don't seem to be nearly as critical. Does that make sense? Yeah. As they were last year. Certainly. The, yeah. the 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 year before and they I think wouldn't win ways they haven't won games twenty one to seventeen where he's kicked seven field goals because they couldn't score offensively yes they're mu- much more prolific offensively much more balanced much more dynamic but he is still can be counted upon as an automatic contributor in high volume to your offensive totals okay you know how much I care about you I'm going to give you the week off next week. Because it's a bye week. The Bombers are off. You can be off, okay? Awesome. So we'll reconvene following things that go down on the 25th. What a game against Calgary, huh? Four games in a row. Oh, It's going to be really going to be special. Having a big, big opportunity to meet in the Western Final at some point. So this is a final tone setter and an opportunity for, you know, you'll never get them, anyone, to bring up the fact that this could be a measuring stick. But it is a measuring stick. Six weeks ago, could you have imagined Imagined us having this conversation, the one that we're having right now. Well, when you talk about a team that can lose four games in a row in spectacular fashion and then win four games in a row by spectacular fashion, there's always a little reservation, a little, uh, you know, but at that point, yeah, we were like, wow, is this team even going to make the playoffs anymore? What's going on here? They were just floundering, but uh, incredible uh, ability to overcome mentally and to, uh, to ramp things back up. I just want to do the math on the last three games in the defense one different way. They've given up 30 
five points in three games. So in spite of the fact uh, they gave up 32 points in one game, they're averaging less than 12 points against per game in their last three games. And no matter how you slice it, no matter how you dice it, four wins in a row, those last three games have been spectacular for the Blue Bomber defense outside of three drives. The first drive of the game in Ottawa and the last two drives of the game in the game of in Ottawa. And outside of that, they have basically given up absolutely nothing against three of the top teams in the Canadian Football League. We'll see if they can do it again against the Calgary Stampeders on the 25th. Thanks, Doug. All right, brother. You, you can't help yourself as a player to start figuring out scenarios of what, what lays ahead. The Blue Bomber Podcast with Doug Brown. Well, that is, wow, that's fantastic. I like that. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or at cjob.com. 